I think this is nice. This is, this is really great. And it's like uh, with the people I used to do improv comedy with. Yep, Remember totally. those days? It was really fun. Yeah, I was thinking about that. That was fun. Remember that time you punched me in the face? That was amazing. Yeah. That was pretty good. <laughs> it wasn't intentional. I was just enthusiastic. I was like... Yeah, you enthusiastically punched me right in the nose. It, it was, was like really, 21. You wound, you wound you know up. That, right? I, you know, you know I was Very in, long arms. You know I was an it idiot, was the right? biggest. It's the biggest laugh of my comedy career. <laughs> and are we ready? We rolling? Yeah? Okay. This song... It's about the love of my life. Nothing you can say can tear me away from Wi-Fi. Nothing you can do, cause I'm stuck like glue to Wi-Fi. I'm clicking on a site, there's a virus detected. But if I'm still connected, I'll stay erected. It's better when it's pretend, don't need a girlfriend with Wi-Fi. That's it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Time Capsule. (laughs) This is a podcast where we, uh, comedians go over our old jokes that we don't do anymore for whatever reason. Maybe the references are outdated. Maybe we've just grown as comics, hopefully as people. Uh, opening the show, as usual, uh, our musical accompaniment by Andy Shands. Everyone give it up for Andy Shands. We missed you on the last one, buddy. It's good to have you back. I missed it, too. If you listened back to it, I did no bragging about how I didn't need you at all. I was just Ah. nothing but upset about you. Also, shout out to The Real Hijinks for filling in. (laughs) Um, I have with me three very funny, very very cool guests that I'm excited to have. You guys are so cool. Did you know how cool you were? Yeah. Most of my motivation behind this was coolness. (laughs) That's pretty much how I try to book these shows. (laughs) That's all I've ever wanted. As a kid, I I wanted to be cool. (laughs) Oh, also, before we introduce everyone, I want to give a shout out to uh, Megan Burbank of the Portland Mercury because she said some nice things about us in her article about Portland's Funniest Person Contest on account of the fact that I won third place 2016 in it. Yeah. Yeah. I've been to the mountain foot. But... So here, uh, having heard, you've already heard uh, the person to my right speak, that is Christian Ricketts. Hi. And to the right of Christian, we have Sean Connery. Hi. And to the right of Sean, we have Phil Schalberger. Hi. <laughs> so in, in the tradition of old jokes, uh, I, will, I will start it off with one of my first year jokes. I wish I was a gay man, and not just because of all the sweet dick gay dudes get to touch either. Uh, I wish I was a gay man because there's really not any, there's no such thing as an unattractive gay man. No matter how you look, you're never too fat, too old, or too ugly as a gay man. You're just a different category of gay man. There's still a demographic for you to fuck. You just got to find them. For example, like if you're a skinny gay dude with a swimmer's build and a hairless body, you're what's known as a twink. And if you're an older, graying gay man who has sex with those twinks, you're what's known as a silver daddy. Can we dwell on that term for a minute? Silver daddy. You know what the straight equivalent is to a silver daddy? An old, graying dude who exclusively seeks out sex with young women? That's called a lech. You hear the difference in those two terms? On the one hand, you have silver daddy, and which is, every time I say it, I picture like some sort of gay pimp RoboCop hybrid. And on the other side, you have lech, which is the root of the word blech. So they're already doing better with the terminology. The other thing is, like, I would be known as a bear. 
And I'm like a high-level bear, by the way. I'm like an A-plus bear. In the right gay neighborhood, you could bronze this shit and put me in the center of a fountain. They would go. And so, like, as a, as a straight dude, I'm just like, you know, like, like, just like a fat, hairy, moderately attractive, somewhat charming straight dude. But as a gay bear, like I said, A-plus bear, it's highly unlikely I could get with Angelina Jolie as a straight dude. But as a gay bear, I could hook up with Brad Pitt like that. Gay Brad Pitt, I'd hook up like it was nothing. I wouldn't even have to try that hard. I probably wouldn't call him back either. And I know even straight dudes that are hearing me say this right now are thinking to themselves, dude, that's gay Brad Pitt. You got to call him back. I don't have to call shit back. I'm a sexy fucking bear. I got a lot of options on my plate. I'll just shake him awake the next morning like, so should I call you a cab or something, Brad? How are you about to get home right now? Because I'm going to need you to clear out because I'm probably going to have gay Channing Tatum stop by later on or straight Tom Cruise if I'm feeling nasty. <laughs> that, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that is one of my uh, 43 jokes about being gay <laughs> from my first year of comedy. <laughs> so, yeah, I threw, I, I stopped doing it because pretty much all my jokes were about the same subject matter. Like, the gist of all my jokes for the, for the first six months of comedy was just like, come on, guys, gay people are fine. They're cool. Just be cool about it. And when you get, start getting more than a four-minute set at a time, <laughs> you realize you're just saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah, so that's why, that's why that joke died on the vine. Yeah, I talked about dog dicks for almost like six minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like dog dicks and sailor cum. And I, I actually had, had a I had a, a poem about dog dicks. Was, yeah, my, I started it. <laughs> I think you did. You ripped off my dog dick. I, I ripped off a couple of things from you, yeah. Uh, I've heard of this old feud over who was the first with the dog dicks between the two of you. I'm glad you guys were able to patch things up. I heard that got really nasty for a time. <laughs> The dog dicks are yeah, over, we, you guys. We buried it. Yeah. <laughs> and we buried, we that buried the dog, filled it with cum. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> it, was a, it was a very bitter feud because the two of them is all they had. To, all they had was that fucking joke about dog dicks. And so it was like, you take that away, and there was just sad dudes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? Two sad dudes. Uh, Ricketts, would you like to tell the next old joke? Next old joke. Okay. Um, Please be dog dicks. All right. No. Uh, so there's a thing I used to do. I would say, do you, wonder, do you ever wonder if old people ever accidentally go to the mall because they think it's the internet? <laughs> and uh, I stopped doing it because basically I'm just saying, haha, old people stupid. Right? That's just kind of like not much of a premise there. Um, then I'd say like, uh, like they're uh, like wandering around. Wandering around in Abercrombie and Fitch, going like, I, uh, I don't like pornography. Or uh, pouring Dippin' Dots in their hat. I'm just checking my email. That's what I would do. I'd do like this whole voice thing along with that. <laughs> and I used to do that old man character, just like that voice. So I'd do like a set in that kind of thing. For like, a, for like, a, oh, like almost like two years off and on, I would do this a lot. And um, um, one of the recurring things in the old man 
character was to um, do like uh, outdated racist material. Um, so I'd be like, and I I said this in front of an all black room in Alexandria, Virginia, one time before bombing terribly, and I said, uh, so you want to hear some racist material? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking dead silence. The host's eyebrows went up. There's one comic in the back laughing the whole time. And then I just went into all these jokes about Irish people. And I was like, um, uh, like, so did you hear about Irish people? Oh, wait, they aren't people. Uh, uh, so this Irishman's walking down a beach one day. And he, three Irishmen walking down a beach an Irishman an Irishman and an Irishman and an Irishman picks up a funny magic lamp and he rubs it with his freckly deformed hand and a genie comes out and a genie grants him three wishes and an Irishman says I wish for a, a, a bag of dirt and a and the eat a bug <laughs> and uh, and a, a boy to, <laughs> to have and that's just the first Irishman <laughs> that'd be like the, that, that was my closer <laughs> <laughs> I really like the do you think old people go to the mall because they think it's the internet by itself. <laughs> it, it was actually kind of for, I think it started off as a genuine business idea that I'd never followed through on, but you're like, it's not a genuine business idea at all. But if, um, you know, since so many older people are confused about the internet, if you could just make a building or a kiosk at the mall, call it the internet, and they can go there and just use a computer there, it just helped them make sense of things. They'd be like, well, I got to go to the internet again and check my email. I guess the library is the internet, isn't it? It always has been. Yeah. It's just been a shitty internet for a long time. I love the library. You could burn it down. How dare you, sir? All right. I played the Oregon Trail all the time at the library back when I was a kid. That's where... This library is where I do most of my comic book reading. Because I always get a shit ton of good comic books. And as a lazy comic collector, I've always loved comics, but I'm... I can't see myself spending that much money like people who love comics for real do, so I just go to the library. It really does get pretty expensive. Um, should, I, should I do, like, another thing? Uh, or are we going to move down now? We'll move down to town. Thank right. you. Yeah, yeah, I really cool. enjoyed the old man. <laughs> Was that a purposeful bait and switch where you ask a black room they want to hear some racist stuff? and then? Yes, that's on purpose. That was... So, like, with a white room, would you just tell black jokes then? No, no, that was never a thing I normally did. I just did it that once <laughs> because I thought it would be funny to me. And it was only funny to me. And then that one comic in the back who, when I was leaving, he's like, man, that was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one. I think uh, I, I, I'll laugh at something really terrible happening at a comedy show. And people must say, like, oh, I'm doing good with posse. I'm like, nah, if I'm, laugh- if I'm the only one laughing, it's probably really bad. It's probably horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean, how about, a, how about a Connery classic? Can I tell you about the joke I can't tell anybody? <laughs> yes. yes go. Okay, there's a joke I can't tell anybody that I, that I wrote. And the reason it is, is like, uh, there was a time when all of us comics uh, 
We went and did improv, where we like learned improv comedy. I did improv comedy with these two guys who sit next to me. But yeah. it was like we thought, hey, this is gonna make us really fucking funny. So we did it. So I did it for like a couple years. And then uh, we, after the, an improv class, we had a meeting. And, uh, and uh, the, for some reason, the lady that taught the class singled me out and went, you know, Sean, you know why you're never gonna be fucking funny? You know why you're never gonna be fucking, you're never gonna be able to fucking be a stand-up comic and it's never gonna happen for you? It's because you ever hear about this joke that, and she named a comic in town. And then she told me this joke. And it's a really good joke. And she said, you don't have what it takes to write that joke. <laughs> and the funny thing is, that guy stole that fucking joke from me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not fucking kidding either. Wow. That joke has been to Bridgetown Comedy Festival three fucking times. You know, it's... Uh, no, seriously. And what happened was... By the I, way, I'm sorry for stealing that joke. It was not, <laughs> you wrote Pizza Box? <laughs> I did not fucking write Pizza Box. It's not that great of a joke, but... <laughs> no, it does suck. You're right. No, I love that. Actually, I love that one. But no, it really was. It's like, I didn't even... What happened was, is I, I did a joke, and, uh, this, and I don't think the guy that t- stole the joke even knew he did it. It's because people do this thing where they smoke a lot of weed, and they go to some shows, they hear it, and the next day, this pops in their head, and they're like, oh, that's a great idea, and then they write it down. Mm-hmm. And... I never went to the guy and said, that's my joke. I never did that because I didn't think it was that great of a fucking joke. But then uh, he really is a good performer. And so he made it a good fucking joke. And it was really one of his big fucking jokes for a while. Okay, so if he's a good, if he's a good performer, then it isn't Shane. So it's... Don't do this math because I don't want this guy's name on here. Because this is actually a guy I like and everything. So what you're saying is, is if you were a better performer, you'd be on Bridgetown. Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. But no, I mean, it's like, it's literally she threw my own joke in my fucking face. That's funny uh, shit. Yeah, and then everybody asks me all the time, is like, you know, why do you hate improv comedy so much? And then I can't, I don't have, there's no time to tell that whole fucking story, you know? That is, yeah, like, you know, Sean, you'll never be this funny, which is exactly as funny as you were at that time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've... I was telling a Chris Rock joke for a minute without oh, yeah. even realizing it. Uh, the joke where he talks about, uh, it's from a second special where he talks about, he's got an uncle with the white wife talking about the revolution never comes. I'll kill her first. Let these crackers know I'm not playing. Uh-huh. I had a joke where basically two words were changed out of that and I didn't realize it for months. And I still have, I still have the gist of the joke. Now the joke, I just talk about, uh, was I said, uh, Oh, I talk about how the, there's a disclaimer whenever someone tells a racist joke, where they they'll tell the joke like if the joke's about black people, they'll then turn and say, "Oh, don't worry, I have a lot of black friends." Uh, but that logic has never worked for me, because uh, most of my friends are white, and I fantasize about the fall of their race every day. And I love my friends; I really do love my friends. But if some another brown dude kicked in the front door right now where we are and screamed, "Pick a side! It's going down!" I would dance in their blood. <laughs> And that, and then I, that's what I changed it to from basically being almost word for word the Chris Rock joke that it yeah. was. And even still, I realized that the phrase "dance in their blood" stuck with me because I saw it in a Keith Carey Facebook post about Marco Rubio a couple months before. Ah, shit. So I messaged Keith and asked him if it was okay if I used "dance in their blood." And what did he say? Keith said, "I want you to dance in their blood." He said, <laughs> "Dance in their blood like no one's watching." 
<laughs> you guys ever stole a joke on accident or have a joke stolen from you by Shane Torres like Sean did? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I had, I, like when I was, uh, like one, t- one time I had a, I saw an open micer do a joke that was pretty similar to mine, but it was like his first time up. And so I don't think he stole it. I think he just had a very parallel thought and he didn't like, he wasn't good at telling jokes. And so it just fell flat. And on top of that, like all the comics were like, that's Phil's joke. And I was just like, it's probably not. He's probably just a bad performer. Um, but yeah, that, that joke was, um, that was one that I, I don't tell anymore just cause it's like people got weird. Like I don't really do stand up anymore. Uh, because like I should like I shouldn't have ever done stand up I think is is the truth wow. of this yeah um, I, <laughs> thank on. you for agreeing with me <laughs> um, I've heard a lot of people say that about you the thing is like I I was looking at all the stuff that I was writing and like I should have been doing sketch I should have been doing sketch but the only mm. sketch in town was like Curious and Brody and the, those are both best Based in like Second City and like kind of formulaic improv stuff. And let's, that's let's let's actually clarify a little yeah. bit for anyone listening. Uh, yeah, you don't do straight stand-up. No, no, anymore. I don't. I don't really do stand-up but anymore. Phil is a comedian, and he's yes, and I still legit I, one of the absolute funniest people in town. Oh, like you. fucking insanely funny. It's <laughs> fun watching the new kids in the scene watch you for the first time because you always blow them away with good reason because they're just like holy fuck, and he's just been talking to people like when he's not doing that like it doesn't make any sense that's what he is no i really love what you do for the fact that's why i was excited to have you on the show because i'd i'd actually heard that your stand-up was good back in the day it, it was but it was all like i should have just been doing like abstract sketch because that's where this stuff belongs like i was translating abstract sketch into stand-up uh. um and so like one of the one of those jokes was uh the, the joke that like the open micer stole was like uh, any Jews here tonight? That's how Anne Frank was found. And then I, I go to uh, like explaining a scene where a Nazi stand-up comedian fishes out uh, hi- Jewish who Jewish people are hiding away uh, by just going and by just busting down doors and uh, and saying that. And then they'd all yell like "woo!" And then the Nazis would round them up. Um, <laughs> And like, yeah, that's a sketch. Like, that's an abstract sketch. That's not necessarily stand up. I mean, it, it, it can work if I explain it as stand up, but it's it's better in that form. Um, like another another bit that I was looking at uh, was this one called John Man Man that I would do uh, a few times, where like it was a conceptual bit of the first time I ever did stand up, which was uh, like like. Obviously not true, but like the first time I ever did stand up was when I was nine years old and I had to sneak into uh, like a comedy club and pretend to be an adult and tell adult jokes. Well, you were adult hide at nine years old, so you had that working for you. <laughs> but like I would, I would get on like my knees and put on a paper plate beard. Uh, and then like I remember one of the jokes being like. I forgot I didn't uh, write it down specifically, but like one of the jokes being like I um it's like I was at Chuck E. Che- I was at Chuck E. Cheese, which has the best pizza in the universe, and I uh, I had a fun time and later home, and I I 
I made love to my wife where we kissed a bunch. And <laughs> nine weeks later, a baby came out, and we were happy for some reason. Like that was the that was the joke that I that I told, and it was, like that was funny, but like that was totally like that's an abstract. That's an abstract sketch. Yeah, we're just saying yeah. your jokes all just sound like the outline of your sketches that you do now. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. So, but yeah, that's. Oh yeah, do you want to, Christian? You want to do another one? I don't know, Adam. May I? Oh, yeah. Let me just host this real quick. Hey, yeah, Christian. I think I think Phil just stole a podcast idea from you. Mm. <laughs> Christian, you want to do another joke? Um, yeah, so this is a thing I haven't done in a while, but um, I used to do it where I would say uh, uh, there's uh, different kinds of comedy out there. One kind of comedy that's making a lot more money than regular comedy is stand-up comedy for moms, by moms. It's called stand-up momedy. So I put together my own stand-up momedy set, you know, so I could get on television, and uh, here it is. Uh, hi, uh, my name's Linda. And, um, I have two dogs at home. I have a big one and a little one. And they are always running through the kitchen. (laughs) Just back and forth. (laughs) You know, back and forth. And the little one thinks it's the big one. Okay, so um, uh, I was out um, uh, having lunch with some friends. With um, uh, Sharon had a salad. Um, Karen had a sandwich, and Tracy didn't have anything. I'm kidding. Tracy had some pork roast. <laughs> I think they should make Duraflame logs out of poor people. <laughs> That's part of it. There's more to it, but that was <laughs> I forget. Did, did you stop doing that because like people thought you were like making fun of uh, just moms in general? Yeah. No one. No one ever complained about it to me. It was just of my own. I started taking women's studies classes at PSU, so I stopped doing. <laughs> um. But I, I did find, though, uh, the people who liked it the most were middle-aged women. Um, <laughs> because it was just kind of, like, based around, I don't know, a couple, you know, people. Like, like my mom used to work with this Mormon woman who would make these really, really bland attempts at humor. So I just thought, what if she was doing momedy? <laughs> and, uh, yeah. That'd be, I could... That picture you in a room doing it, and then some chick stands up. She's like, "Yeah, Karen always does get the pork roast." <laughs> yeah, I'd like make up whatever Karen is having each time, and the names would change, and you know, yeah, that so eventually that one went away. The the log part, that left turn, not exactly like it. But do do you still do? Uh, the set that you used to do, I think in a conversation you told me, you, do you mind me calling alt, saying alty or whatever? Uh-huh. Like, yeah. You used to do like a real alt set where you'd read jokes off of a paper. Yeah. And then the, you had the nostalgic Italian chef joke. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. I would just go up with like a piece. Of, I'd go up with a clipboard 
as if I was just someone like some kind of like someone who's like hired by the like like let's say just I guess the back idea was that you know you're in some kind of like communist country and they just have people from the government hired to do stand-up comedy so I just go up with a clipboard in some really official kind of way and I'm like hello how's everyone doing tonight I said how's everyone doing tonight I can't hear you man this place is packed you sir in the front where are you from oh really is that where you got such a strange hat and then, yeah, I'd be like, uh, I did it later on and I mixed in the other joke. I was like, uh, here's my impression of a nostalgic Italian chef. I like the pasta. <laughs> and um, sometimes I used to do this and then Phil would help out with it where um, I would have people with scripted hecklers. So someone would stand up with a piece of paper, obviously in front of their face, like, hey, that was offensive. You shouldn't say that. And then they would sit down and they'd be like, hey, sir. I don't come down to the salmon factory you work at and slap your dick out of a live salmon. <laughs> I remember that getting like a really good applause break one time at Helium. <laughs> I remember, yeah. Remember, helium? Yeah. Did I do it that late? I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember. But wasn't that curious, maybe? No, I'm pretty sure that was at Helium. I remember because it was like really dark when I stood up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then like someone, then I have like someone else, like uh, you know, Newstetter used to help out a lot, and then like he would stand up like a heckler, and then I would, you know, heckle something. He was like, gets up and throws his shoe, and he wouldn't throw a shoe, and then I would turn and look to my left and right, and be like, hey, who threw that shoe? <laughs> oh, Jimmy would stand up and yeah, read, gets yeah, up and throws his, his shoe. people. Yeah, so a second heckler comes, stands up and throws his shoe at the comedian, like a parenthetical, like he wasn't supposed to read. And uh, then I, I say, hey, who threw that shoe? It was me. No, wait, what do you do? I go to college, and I say, yeah, more like community college. And then he sits down. <laughs> so, yeah, it was just, uh, it was like, you know, maybe like seven minutes, five to seven minutes, maybe, like, tops. I've always... Just reading, just, you know, deadpan reading. When I, when I first met you, you, you were doing, like, a mix of both, like, like alty stuff and then you'd also do straightforward comedy and yeah you've been doing attempt it yeah i've seen you do more straightforward lately is mm-hmm. that like an overall shift i remember in a yeah that's an overall said, yeah that's an overall shift it's just i personally i felt like the alt stuff was coming from a place of fear huh. but then all of my choices come from fear so i don't know what to do well <laughs> <laughs> i I, I love both versions of you, Christian, just so you know. <laughs> I'm existentially paralyzed. Thank you. <laughs> Sean, you, you want to <laughs> reveal anything dark about yourself? Sure, sure. No, uh, or, or you can tell a joke, or you can tell us a story about a joke that you can't tell. No, I, I'll tell you uh, a joke. Uh, see, I was like uh, married at one point, and I hated it. And so it was like, I just, uh, uh, used to write just dumb fuck. Yeah, this is a dumb fucking joke. Anyways, but it's been, but it was like just trying to talk about my experience being married. And so I was like, uh, it's, it's just, I just go on stage and go, it's been my experience with fucking women that, uh, if you give a woman an inch, just wonder where the fuck the rest of your penis is. <laughs> and that, uh, that was, someone actually said that might, that joke might almost be worth stealing, maybe. <laughs> that's uh that, that was probably that was a high compliment coming from that guy but i don't know i feel bad because i thought we were supposed to do bad jokes and over christian ricketts is doing like my favorite fucking jokes he did <laughs> I'm, do- I'm actually angry that he doesn't do anymore i'm doing jokes that i don't do anymore i could do some bad ones like ones that just do not make sense or i, I remember those trouble. jokes those jokes you used to do where you'd wear a hat that was my those are good 
Wait, oh, when I wore like that paperboy hat? No, the, the cowboy hat. Oh, the cowboy hat. One of the, there's this thing about uh, that cowboy hat that you'd wear. The... Christian Ricketts is a man of many hats. <laughs> well, no, one of the funniest <laughs> things I saw between you and, and Schalberger didn't even happen on stage, where you lent Schalberger your fucking hat. Yeah. And then he went up on stage. Naked. And cut, and naked, covered his balls with the hat that with he gave hat. him. That's right. And then he got off stage and tried to put it on your head. That's right. <laughs> that that's probably my favorite Portland comedy moment of, <laughs> of like you trying he's putting his, his uh basically his he got his ball sweat all over a hat and tries to put it on your head and then you were you were so upset. I don't think Phil sweats. Yeah, I don't. No, so you fuck you he sweat. Doesn't, he doesn't, yeah, no, he doesn't. I, I have ball musk, but I wouldn't call it sweat. Musk. <laughs> it's called wisp. <laughs> Phil's an efficient machine. I don't think he's putting out any. I used to live with Phil Schauberger. That whole apartment was filled with musk. (laughs) Phil, just dank Phil Schauberger. A lot of dead skin. Yes. (laughs) I'm still vacuuming that shit out of the house. Phil's just rubbing his nuts all over the whole house when no, or when everyone is home. Just (laughs) yeah. Just in the middle of America's Got Talent. Uh, Should I? Yeah, Phil. (laughs) Okay, so um. I'm gonna, like I found a few like I would like I would when I did stand up for a while I would just try to copy Eugene Merman or his style pretty much uh, and so I wrote like a, a few like decent one-liners like one of them was uh, any ladies looking to get lucky tonight because uh, I have a dead leprechaun in my trunk um, that was like that one was like a go-to and when I read that I was like oh that one like I was looking through my notebooks, and it's almost all just giant rambling monologues of how depressed I was, and like right? it, was, it was ridiculous yeah. how like yeah. years, like mm-hmm. year, from like 2008 to like 2011, I'm mean, 2013 is just like every single page was just like oh this is like it's just like all sadness, and then occasionally like one semi-decent joke would pop out and I realized that I should have yeah another reason why I shouldn't have done stand-up I'm sorry that piano is really annoying like it's (laughs) like it doesn't like it's it's grating is this a joke? no no like (laughs) but yeah it's it was like really yeah it's it was really interesting so I was looking through all of these and they're not like they were good at the time because, like, I, I had confidence and I believed in them. But, like, looking, like one that I had was uh, an impression of Bob. Like, impressions are cheap applause breaks a lot of times. Like, as far as, like, you... Like, Wait, you know, what you, are you talking about? Well, it's Back just, like... Schellberger. Well, it's, like, when you, <laughs> when you say, like... Is this, is this one of your notebook entries? No, this is, oh. this is something, like, I would do impressions and, like, the way to get an easy applause break is, like, here's my impression of ba-da-ba. And then you do either an impression or, like, sometimes it can be an anti-impression that's, like, 30, like 15 seconds long and it's very blunt and ends out abruptly. And then you're, like, that's it. And then people, you know, they're, like, oh, that's a betrayal. And then they laugh. Um, and, like, so I, I had, like, a couple impressions. You know what's really funny about this? What? Is that literally, like, the guy that plays the piano... That's all he does is impressions. <laughs> this has got to be hurting yeah, a lot. And song parodies. Yes, that's all I do. Well, it, Exclusively. It's, well, I'm sorry. That's, that's my whole act. You play the piano. <laughs> that's very annoying. You, you but, play yeah. piano. So that, there's, an, there's an added layer on top of it. But like, I would do an impression of, that was like the ended uh, odd of Bob Dylan singing uh, to Ramona uh, and then turning into a blender. Um, and it just ended like... 
it would I would just sing the song in kind of like a raspy Bob. I would, I was terrible at singing and I was terrible at doing Bob Dylan impressions. Uh, so it didn't really it flew kind of. Uh, and then, yeah, it would just bother people, and then I would stop, and it would be weird, and sometimes, well, oftentimes, people would uh, applaud. <laughs> it was the weirdest thing. <laughs> but, yeah. Could we, could we talk about when you improv punching Sean in the mouth? Oh, yeah. So, okay, that, that was, because we did improv, and, like, I, uh, yeah, I forgot what the scene was, but, like, I, I misread uh, how strong, I, how, I misread my reach, and I misread, like, <laughs> where Sean's face was. Yeah, and, uh, totally, yeah. It was, it, I, still stand, I still stand that it wasn't intentional. Uh, oh, yeah, you, you absolutely didn't mean it, but... Uh, but it still, it still made contact, and that's what sucks. Phil has, like, a reach of about seven feet. Yeah, this has got some wingspan on. And so him. he like he like spun around with his arm and then connected right on the side of my nose and spun me around. He hit me so hard, <laughs> and we continued with the scene. Wait, was it a backhanded fist blow? No, it was a. He, he, it was two, it was top two knuckle. Yeah, yeah. Total. He, he hit me like right like a boxer. You know when a boxer brings up right from the floor yeah, yeah, and then yeah. just brings it right up around and. Oh man, it hit hard. But what at the mean? same time, like I, I hadn't developed, I hadn't fully developed like a sense of empathy for other people's pain at that time. So <laughs> when I hit you, I was just like, oh, you can, yeah, you know, it's all, it's not gonna be that bad. Like I, I was, I was a little bit ignorant to how bad it might have hurt at the time. That's that's the hardest anyone's ever hit me in the nose. <laughs> I got, I have been hit in the face by an M16 rifle in Marine Corps boot camp, and that hurt less. Than that. <laughs> no, he spun me around, but not, this is a shocking thing. Empathy is new to you. I didn't. I didn't what? pick up on it for like a while. Oh it Jesus sucked. Christ! Phil, I was Phil, kind of a sociopath. I can, I can see that. Yeah. Phil, weren't you a teenager when you started comedy, though? Yeah, yeah, I was. Like, how old were you? I was at, seventeen when I started. How old were you when you hit Sean? Uh, 21? Uh, I think that people 21. get empathy about two and a half. That's pretty bad, but... <laughs> I'm pretty sure about that. Normal people, two and a half. Well, it's like you get... Psych- psychopaths, about six. Nah, because I was... And then no, like, people the, that murder people and bury them in the backyard, somewhere around 15. I was, so, a, I was a shitty narcissistic teenager that, 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 yeah. who didn't care or really consider yeah, anyone else Yeah, that's sort of how I was, too. Me. And so, like... No, we're all narcissists. We don't go... We Some of us kind of care about people. Sean, I think bit. you just can't remember what it was like to be a teenager because it was so long ago. <laughs> okay. Beat up on the old man. That's I'm okay. sorry. I'm fucking I'm playing. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this got awkward. Well, I'll fix it. I'll fix it with the original version of a joke Phil was talking about earlier. This will become very apparent why I changed part of this joke. Uh, I was catching up with a friend I hadn't seen in a while. It was right after New Year's Eve, so to catch up, we shared our New Year's Eve experiences. I went first. He said, Adam, how was your New Year's? I said, it was cool. I went to a party, got drunk, kissed the girl, passed out. Typical New Year's. And I go, how was yours? He goes, mine was great, too. I was on a rooftop in Paris getting fucked in the ass by another man while fireworks went off above me. And I looked at him, and I said, that sounds... Amazing! Like the minute he said that, I was like, I want that moment. How do you get that moment? Is that a strictly gay moment? Because I will go gay for that moment. 
Is there papers I need to sign or anything? That's the most beautiful thing I've ever heard in my life. On a rooftop in Paris, while fireworks went off above you. Let's break it down, shall we? First of all, you got rooftop in Paris. Already awesome. Already awesome. The beautiful Parisian skyline, the most romantic city in the world, lit up like a sexy-ass Christmas. Up to that is the part where I tend to run into some static with people fucked in the ass by another man while fireworks go off above you. I always see dudes pulling back like, I don't want to do that. That sounds gay. First of all, coward. Second of all, if you're having sex and fireworks start to go off above you, it, whatever you were doing, oh boy, I should have prepared this joke. <laughs> um, damn, hold on, give me a second. If you're having sex and fireworks start to go above, on above you, it doesn't matter what you were doing physically. Whatever, the moment those fireworks start going off, you're not having, whatever you're doing physically doesn't matter because you're not having gay or straight sex because that's firework sex. That shit is next level. It transcends whatever you were doing with your petty genitalia. Grow up. At that moment, you're neither gay or straight. Uh, you're a pyrotechnosexual, and it's far and away the greatest of the three. I have to reiterate, I would 100% take a dick for Parisian rooftop fireworks sex. In fact, I think any man that would not is a fucking faggot. And I don't want to hang out with you. Uh, one, because you clearly don't know how to have a good time. And two, what if we do hang out? We start getting like close as friends and we decide to take a trip to Europe during the winter time. Once, one, one winter, which is when winter time happens. And we just, we happen to end up in Paris on New Year's Eve. And all of a sudden, we're up there and the fireworks start going off. And I realize, oh shit, something amazing can happen right now. But I look to you and you're just cowering down the fucking fire escape like the weakling you always were. I don't need people like that in my life. I need fireworks sex. Yeah, and that's a joke that I haven't done in a while. <laughs> I, I threw it out because, again, come on, guys. Just a little gay don't hurt. Come on. <laughs> The message of all my jokes, and uh, I very early on threw the faggot out of that joke as well. It was ironic use of it. It just it wasn't worth the pain it caused the audience for the small laugh that it would get sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, like when you do something ironic, like it still is the thing. Like, I like Kasner was telling me, uh, Jordan Kasner, for those of you, uh, for those of you, one person listening. Uh, is uh, like he moved uh, to Minneapolis and he he texted me last night. He did this character at uh, Hard Times, uh, like when it was uh, like the show before last, which was this character of this super white privileged guy who like didn't like was just a total like yacht boy asshole. And uh, he did that character at what would be essentially uh, be like it's going to be okay the Minneapolis version of that and like the audience was just horrified at the character because they didn't... Because even though it was ironic what he was doing of just, uh, like, total white privilege and uh, total, like, bro idiot stuff, like, the audience thought he was for real. Mm. And, like, I think that... Like, that's a problem with irony. So, like, even if you do it... Uh, even if you're doing something ironically, you're still saying and doing the thing. Like, on the basic level, some people won't pick up on it. And even if they do, it's still, like, an ugliness that you're presenting that if you don't dispel, it's just terror. Um, yeah, and Kastner's all-American ass looks like that yacht. Yeah, 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 he does. Yeah, irony. <clears throat> Irony's dangerous. If you think you're smarter than irony, it's probably going to bite you. <laughs> 
Um, guys, that's pretty much the podcast. Is that Does it? Anyone I have like have... five more jokes to do. I've got, oh, some, fucking... I've got all the shit I want to try out. Let's let them fly then. <laughs> oh, yeah, we got plenty of time. Let's do it. Let's keep oh, it really? rolling. Let's keep it rolling. Eric, we good? Oh, all right. Well, let's see. Um, all right, all right. So this is the one I used to do a joke about. Um, see if I can remember. It's about Matt Tofino, the local weatherman. I forgot what channel news it is. But he had this commercial where I had all his, like, lightning and stuff behind him. And the way I'd start the joke would be like, so Matt Tofino has this commercial. And he sounds like an idiot. And I think he should get fired. And it would have all this weather behind him, you know, in case you forget what it looks like. And it called Matt Tofino. He's News Channel 6s or whatever weather authority and then it would show him and he'd say i like to think of the sky as the last frontier i like to take a look outside see what's happening and then think okay what had to happen for that to happen that was what his commercial really said (laughs) that was his actual commercial i saw it a couple times i wrote it down and i was like it sounds like he's someone who doesn't know what weather is like he hasn't really ever actually seen it he's in a box and that's who their weatherman is and then I would say, like, if I were to describe one of my jobs the same way, I wouldn't be able to keep the job. I mean, or, like, no one would take me seriously. Like, if I were to describe my two and a half months of delivering pizza for Roundtable the same way as Afino described his job, I'd be like, I like to think of 82nd and Fremont as the last frontier. <laughs> I like to take a pizza, look at it, and think, okay, what is this? Who am I? How did I get here? <laughs> That'd be it. <laughs> so that was that joke and there's also the come everywhere joke oh no I'll skip that <laughs> oh yeah no you want you got time for that yeah <laughs> let's do another round you guys good for another round yeah. of jokes yeah, yeah. alright do so, it now okay alright so uh, it, it would be um, this is the thing I used to close on so I, I the reason why I stopped doing it obviously is I mean I, the whole idea was just to see how many times I could say the word come in one joke it was kind of just like a joke to myself um that I would close on. So, you know, I don't have a career. And um, <laughs> so I'd say, like, you know how, in, you know, when guys are living together, you know, if a guy's bedroom door is closed and there's a hair tie on it, that means he's probably got a girl over and they're probably having sex. And, you know, it lets the other guy know and it's kind of a bragging thing. Well, like, I'm my roommate. We've got a much more elaborate system. So if there's a hair tie, it means that he's got a girl over and they may be having sex they may just be talking and it's cool for me to go in and join the conversation um if there is a condom draped over the doorknob and it isn't full of cum it means they're about to have sex and i can go in and join the conversation (laughs) if there's a condom and it's full of cum hanging up the doorknob that means they already had sex and i can go in and join the conversation If there is a condom that is stretched out and it only has cum on the outside, only on the outside, and it's stuck to the bedroom door at a diagonal angle, that means he doesn't know how to use a condom. And there's more. If there is a little bit of cum on a couch pillow, that means today had a pretty good episode of Judge Alex. If there's cum on the ceiling, that means that it's his 30-day notice to move out. Got to find a new roommate. But if he gets cum all over my face, you might be a redneck. <laughs> I enjoyed that very much. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I stopped telling it. <laughs> I, I can see why. <laughs>
There's already plenty of cum. <laughs> right. I, 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 was, I was influenced by Louis C. Cum. <laughs> he really inspired me to write that joke. This kind of makes me feel shitty. My favorite joke that I've written in the last year has like a about two minutes of cum joke in it. <laughs> Sometimes you got to go through that peak. Cum's funny, baby. Oh yeah, cum is now, and it's everywhere, <laughs> <laughs> all around us, like the force. Sean, you, you want to? Come on with another joke. Can I walk and get a beer? Or is it, I have to stay seated. No, you're good. Enjoy yourself. No, uh, my joke uh, um, basically is like I'm older than all the other comics, so I wrote this joke about that. Everybody was like, uh, you know, Sean, you, like, you just hate everything. You know, I don't hate everything. I like soup. You know, <laughs> 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 you know just uh, I like I like long walks on the beach. You know, sometimes I find dead shit. I like, to, <laughs> like to poke it with a stick, see what's going on there. One time, found a, a dolphin. It was missing a head, and it was like inside out. Best day at the beach ever. <laughs> so good. But you know, it's like and no, I'm like no, I'm a sensitive person. You know, I, I like children. You know, I like the pitter patter of little feet. But I got to be honest with you. I really prefer the clankety bang of a toddler falling down the stairs. <laughs> you ever seen that though? Or like where that moment where like a child like realizes the law of gravity applies to him. You know, and he's like, "Oh no!" But I'm wearing a Superman cape. Oh, and it's just all like big head and tiny feet hitting stairs all the way down the fucking bottom. It's an, ama- it's an amazing part of a child's life, and I'm just always glad to be there when it happens. You know, that's it. <laughs> You get this whole. T- I'm gonna tell another one. This is funny because this is like literally like. First uh, of all, I don't know why you dropped the soup part of that. That's the, that soup joke. You definitely <laughs> still keep doing. That's funny. I probably still do that. I don't have a lot of jokes. Anyways, <laughs> <laughs> no. But, Are you yeah, just doing no. your set on the show, Sean? Yeah, no, that, that that actually is like one of my. That, that was like one of the first jokes I actually liked. I think. It's but canned uh, humor. Canned humor. Yeah. But the, uh, the no other one, dude, that there's another joke. You know, you're asking me, remember my jokes that I first fucking started doing? And I don't remember any of those fucking jokes. But there was, there's one, I, don't, I just remember the premise, and it's just jerking off into a tube sock. I don't remember how I ended that. <laughs> I do remember how it ended, though, because I said that joke, and then someone threw a shoe at me from the audience. What? Yeah. No, I told someone threw a shoe at me from the audience and fucking hit me. And then uh, I just went off on a rant on the guy, and uh, uh, and then and then the guy that was the host is like, oh my god, yeah, the, the set was really good. Where he like went off on the guy, and that's where I like started like doing rants and shit and messing with that. But uh, but you know it was kind of interesting my comedy because I was like it was it was funny. I was like angry and stuff. And I, but I found that edge where it's not funny because it stopped being funny where I walked past the guy that threw the shoe at me when I was walking down there and told him I was going to murder him later. <laughs> and I was the only one that thought that was funny. Everybody, you know, but it all worked out in the end. <laughs> and, then, and then Rickett stole the idea of having someone throw a shoe at you during your set from you? Yeah. Yeah. The funny thing is, I don't think he was doing comedy when that happened. I don't think you were around when that happened. Yeah, it was this... Um uh, before November 2008. You know the actual fucking date? Yeah, I started comedy on November 16th, 2008. Wow. I mean, if you're not counting the fucking stupid comedy class I took before that, which is 
I mean, well, at PCC, you took the PCC comedy class with Derek Severson. Dang right, Mr. Severson. Yeah. It was cool. I really needed it. I really needed that for that for Wait. my stage fright. I didn't know, and you know, I I didn't know if I could do it. And then I was funny in the class, which is kind of how my sense of humor started was being funny in classes. So I guess it was just like you know, floaties, baby steps. Yeah, you probably don't know this about Christian, but he's very sensitive. Yeah, I'm extremely sensitive. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what was the... There was a college comedy class? Was it? Yeah. yeah. Non-credit, though. Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Phil, how about another joke? Okay, this one is actually... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something different. So, like... When I was in high school, um, we had this playwriting class, right? Um, that was uh, that was that was some fun. It was taught by the folks who uh, worked with Portland Center Stage. And uh, at the end of the year, uh, they said, "Okay, we're going to give you your last prompt, and it's going to be uh, one." Uh, the the play has to be called. It's just like very short scene. The scene has to be called "Love Stinks." And the first line has to be, I'm sick of this. And I was, I was technically sick of the class because it was so much like heavy handed, like, oh, what we're saying is so important because we're all 18 and we're all just, we have found truth and we found meaning and beauty. And so I wrote this sketch as a reaction to this. And it's really quick. So I'll just do a finger system, person A, person B. Uh, so, one, here we go. I'm sick of this. Of what? This skunk. Huh? This skunk that's up my ass. Oh my god. Ah! A skunk? What else would it be? Why is it up there? Well, because I love it. What? I love the skunk that is up my ass. A lot. You love it, so you stick it up your ass? Ugh. Exactly. Okay. This sucks. But if you love that skunk, and your way of saying you love that, love it having it up your ass, well then why are you bitching? Because it hurts. Then take it out. I can't. Is it stuck? No. I love it. So I guess love hurts. It stinks a little too. Dad, why don't you love mom, but all of a sudden you love this skunk? I thought I loved her, but then, reali- but then I realized I couldn't fit her up my ass, so I decided to <laughs> love something that could. Oh. Oh, I think it's rotting. It's dead? It died for our love. Romance in the purest form. Crap it out. No. It's dead. It can't love anymore. Move on. But I still love it. If you love something, let it go. I guess you're right. Uh, Drops trow and craps out skunk and baby skeleton. What's that? You had a baby brother. I really loved him too. As a son, of course. You never loved me? End. And that was... Yeah, so that was that. That, so you just you just assaulted your class with imagery. The, the funny thing is is that I got into like a playwriting festival because of that. <laughs> they were just like they were like, okay, this guy, this guy, this kid can shit on theater effectively, so we should probably have him in in theater just to help elevate things. Or did they read too much into it? Were like, oh, the skunks like society. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. I yeah, I was like 18 when I wrote that. And that that reminds me of something one of my brothers did in uh, middle school. He had a, a teacher who was who uh, was a feminist, but was a shitty teacher, and he hated her a lot. And so what he would do with his writing assignments is he would, to the letter, to the quality of the writing that she wanted, 
he would 100% fulfill that and write really misogynistic essays on getting women back in the kitchen. <laughs> and yeah, like but like she could it was bulletproof because he was he was on purpose fucking with her but like he was doing the lessons were taking it was just the subject matter he was choosing was bad. And then there was like uh, an entire quarter of school where every essay she'd have him write about a subject or whatever he would return it to the end theme of the essay would always be about that's why we need to build me this spaceship that was his key to all of us everything we go back to his spaceship my brother was really good at fucking with people um <laughs> uh, let's see uh, i'm trying to remember see if i can pull an old joke out of my ass i can go through like i had i had a bunch of like i wrote some like some sketch that never like re never got anywhere because no stage would like take it uh, like one of them was uh, this, the sketch about uh, like cans of beans, uh, three cans of beans on stage, uh, and another can of bean enters. I don't know how. Uh, and then uh, the three cans of beans uh, start inquiring uh, to the new can of bean because they're on a train car uh, of like whether or not this can of bean is a hobo, uh, and uh, they start realizing through their inquisition that uh, in fact. All of the can of beans are lying to each other about them being uh, about them being hobos, and they all figure out that oh, we're all cans of beans, and they're like wearing hobo outfits. Uh, and then a hobo comes on, like after release, like a hobo comes on, and they're like, hey, are you a hobo too? And they're like, nope. And then the they all, and uh, are you a are you a can of beans too? And they're like, nope, I'm a hobo. And then they all uh, run in fear as the hobo eats the cans of beans. <laughs> <laughs> Am I the only person who ever noticed that uh, when you see Phil Schauberger's sets, there's like a constant theme of hobos in there somewhere? Like, no, seriously, like half of your stuff has a hobo in there I somewhere. I, I, I get it. I mean, homelessness is hilarious. It's so funny. It's, it's more like no, it's more it the math of any of us. The more it's more the math of like, you know, the of like someone of like everyone hi, hiding their identity and then realizing, oh, there's no reason to hide your identity. You can just be. Who you are, except the the people hiding their identity are cans of beans, and then the pre, the person, uh, then the acceptance goes foul because like you can't you can't be a can of bean in a hobo society. Like, <laughs> <you have> to... <laughs> Does the hobo represent like Pan, the mythological god, like the world soul, and we are the cans of beans that are expressions of its hunger? Was this the hateful eight? <laughs> <laughs> If you can't do the math and get out of the equation, I'm calling you back. This is Star 69, said Hillary Duff. <laughs> <laughs> I like how I made fun of the skunk story, and then you wrote, like, this message-filled cans of beans sketch after that. I feel like I remember you saying that or doing it on stage or something. I never said it on stage. I would tell people about it, and, like, I would – and then, like – I remember, I remember, oh, okay, I remember giving you a ride somewhere. That's it. <laughs> But yeah, like I, rem- I remember like being really frustrated because like I wrote that and like the I wrote like a few things in the uh, in like this curi- in this uh, sketch writing class that Christian and I and I think Gabe took and like I, everything that I do would do really well at the table reads and then they'd never put it on stage and I was really frustrated by that. But yeah, they didn't touch any of my stuff. But it was garbage what I was writing. I'll admit it. Did they think it was offensive to hobos? No, I, I just think it wasn't like it wasn't in the Second City format. It wasn't like uh. here's two people talking on stage, and here's what 
you know, uh-huh. here's a here's a relationship dynamic that's kind of askew. Like there wasn't there wasn't a actual like they didn't go for abstract stuff. Uh huh. Yeah, it's more canned humor. Yeah. I'm just gonna keep calling that back. You keep <laughs> missing your own rim shot though. Yeah yeah yeah. Oh, sorry sorry yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. canned humor canned humor yeah it's pretty good. Waka. <laughs> I keep on thinking about why someone would shove a skunk up their ass. I don't know. You keep thinking about this. No, be- no, because it's like, I've never heard that one before, and it really is kind of like, I, I think it really changed the way I look at love now. <laughs> I do. I think I really, I'm like, no, I think I'm going to die alone. I think it sounds great. Well, asses, asses are smelly, and skunks are smelly, so it represents, yeah, and then it's like, you're putting someone's stink into your source of stink, and yeah, that is love. That is love. <laughs> love is sickening. I mean, it's wrong. Love stinks. As oh, God. Right. So. They stole those lyrics from me when I was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, I'd say I love... Uh, I just... Whatever. I'm, like, I'm going to go along with that one. I'm going to delete the rest of that sentence right <laughs> before I even say it. <laughs> Ricky, you got any, you got any more old ones you want to do? Um, I see. The I wrote word, suddenly Susan. Really I, big. I, I'm looking at that. I really want to know about that. Actually, you yeah. got suddenly Susan in all caps in the middle of this. Is years ago? It, it said two New Yorkers who love suddenly Susan. That's all I wrote. Um, but then, like the oh hello thing happened. So maybe they, maybe I put it out in the collective unconscious, and then somebody else wrote a sketch, and it's better than my idea. That I, I do swear to God that happened with Cheezosaurus Rex, a craft. Before they had Cheezosaurus Rex in their commercials. I thought of Cheezosaurus Rex first when I was six years old. I called myself a Cheezosaurus Rex because I liked eating lots of cheese. All right? That's not a fucking joke. Okay, yeah, here is one. All right, and then this is – now, I don't tell this one anymore, but I feel like my intentions are good with it. And I would just say, I like my pizza the same way I like my pizza. Black women. <laughs> Yeah, so you guys get it, right? Kind of because my dad growing up, like, and I stopped doing it just because I just felt like I felt like because if someone doesn't get it, the risk is just too high. They may they won't get what I'm making fun of. My dad used to say, "Hey, I like my coffee like I like my women, black and hot." It's like, haha, get it? Yeah, mom's white. And then other joke, <laughs> and then like sub joke there is also, haha, get it? I would never be attracted to a black woman. That was like kind of like the subtext, right? Ha ha, get it? Laughy laugh. So I wanted to make fun of it that way. <laughs> and then pizza, yeah. Pizza the same way I like my pizza, black woman, yeah. Yeah, I like that joke, but that's another one where it's like probably just for me. <laughs> it's just for some other people too. That's a good luck one. Good luck with that one. It's uh, a good joke. No, I stopped doing it, although Gabe did um, tell it apparently to... Um, Oh, I can't remember that bastard's name now. He used to write for The Simpsons. Um, oh, uh, Dana Gould. Dana Gould. Yeah, he yeah. did tell it to Dana Gould backstage at Helium, and I guess Dana Gould liked it. So, I mean, but if Dana Gould knew I was talking about this, he'd be like, "What? What, what the hell?" He would, he would t- completely fucking tear me apart for like five minutes, perfectly. So, <laughs> maybe, I'm not going to put any words in that man's like, mouth. Maybe he's more compassionate to yourself than you are. Yeah, maybe he is actually a nice person. <laughs> which is, yeah. I, I, I've met Dana Gould. He's very nice. He's a very nice person, but he, I, I wouldn't want to be putting it, any words in that man's mouth. He gave me a tag for a joke. Uh, I have a joke where uh, I talk about uh, 
how there's no racial slur for Samoan people, and then uh, one guy after a show, a black guy, in not insultingly, like in a fraternal sense, said, "Good job, my pineapple nigga." <laughs> and then uh, I was telling Dana that part of the joke. I was hosting for him. I then he heard it. And he, he heard the joke. I had to cut it off before the pineapple nigga part. He goes, there really isn't a racial slur for Samoan people. So I told him about pineapple nigga, and he giggles. He goes, when you say that, I picture the Hawaiian punch guy in blackface. <laughs> and he goes, you can use that somewhere. I was like, yeah, I'll, okay. Dana fucking Gould, I'll take a tag of yours <laughs> to make you feel good. <laughs> but yeah. Just dick swinging Medina Gould tags. Yeah, no. I, it was, I'm just now I'm thinking about the mechanics of black facing a big glass jar. I actually so, at the I guess end, you just leave it leave it clear for the eyes and the mouth. Actually, at the end of the weekend, I gave him a bottle of Hawaiian Punch that I yeah black sharpied the face of the Hawaiian <laughs> Punch guy, and now you're best friends. It was a. Uh, <laughs> Like, while I was doing it, I got increasingly less comfortable with it. Like, <laughs> as the face was filling up with black marker, that's the level of not okay I was with what I was doing. <laughs> and I was at the bar of Helium just, like, going, oh, this is bad. This is not a good thing that I'm doing right now. This is too far. And then uh, uh, the bartender is like, you're, you're crazy. I'm like, I know, but I'm, I'm more than halfway through the face. So I'm just going to finish the fucking game, and hopefully Dana thinks it's funny. And then a, a, another member of the wait staff who happens to be black walked up. She goes, what's Adam making all that noise? And the bartender goes, oh, he's drawing blackface on the Hawaiian punch guy. And I'm like, there's a story. There's a reason I'm doing this. Like, it's, it's bad. It's not a good enough reason I'm doing this. But I don't, I didn't just wake up, like, skip to the store and like, oh, I know what I'm going to do with my day. Yeah. Yeah, this, this podcast is about getting me ran out of Portland comedy as soon as possible. <laughs> Just go write misogynistic essays <laughs> with my brother. Jesus. <laughs> He's dead. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> good one. No music for that? <laughs> I got nothing. I just got <laughs> like a fart sound you can make with your keyboard. Go. <laughs> yeah, my brother's dead. Yeah. Taps? Can I get taps? You got oh. taps? Is that Paco Bell's cannon? No. <laughs> <laughs> oh, does anyone else have any old jokes they wanted to go through? Can I do one more? Hell yeah. Because I just, this is the thing I've noticed about comics. I, I really love comics and everything, hanging out with them and shit. But, uh, we love hanging out with you, Sean. Good, glad to hear it. I barely remember, I'm drunk all the time. But, but the thing is, though, is like, it's, it's cool, but there's one thing I've always noticed. It's always kind of bothered me about comics where sometimes it's kind of like they don't really have skin in the game. They don't really like, uh, they don't feel like attached to life sometimes. They're like observing from a distance. They don't really feel death in life sometimes. You mean they've been traumatized in childhood? Maybe. No, no, I mean, no, I mean this, is, this is the part of the joke. I'm just going to start into it because it's kind of like I talked to a guy one time. I was like, what's the, what's the most traumatizing thing you've ever seen? And he was like, have you ever seen that movie Aliens where the alien comes out? That scared the fuck out of me. And I was like, really? That's the scariest fucking thing you've ever seen in your life? Was that a movie? That's a fucking movie. That's not even a real thing, you know? No, I mean, like, I, just, I saw a baby get born. I mean, how horrifying. That's an 18-hour horror movie that's in real life, you know? No, and it's horrifying because there's blood all over, all over. People are screaming. You're losing your mind for 18 freaking hours, 
And then this baby comes out, and you realize the new life and everything like that is covered in gore. And they like wipe a little bit of the gore off, you know, and like hand it to you and go, teach you what love is. <laughs> you know, hey, maybe take it, uh, you know, take it Halloween, you know, take it out, dress it up, you know, and it's, it's going to be fine. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but, you know, that's, that's a real fucking thing. It's like anytime some, it's hard to take anybody's complaints seriously. I've never really found a good ending for that thing because it's like I'm too attached to it, but it's kind of like, uh, it's hard to take people seriously if they haven't experienced anything that hard, you know? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. No, I, uh, we, there's, a, there's a newer comic who's really great. Uh, his name is Mohanad El Sieski. Oh, yeah. And he's a, he's a Libyan refugee, and we were hanging out, and we came up with the concept. We were talking about, like, like basically the white people first world problems that yeah, we all yeah. have to hear constantly. Uh-huh. And uh, we're talking about having a show called Happy Hour with Mohanad El Sieski. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we invite the people on the show who are like the worst complainers about like, oh, and then at the office and like uh-huh. little stuff that doesn't matter. Oh, complainers on stage. Freaking but, do it. But Mohanad hosts the show and he opens up with just the most horrifying tales of his life in Libya. No, and his, his stories are really bad. Yeah, I no, mean, like, well, he's a Libyan refugee. <laughs> they're even worse than you think. No, that's the thing. We don't, they, don't even, they don't tell us what happens over there anymore because it's so bad. But it's like then he tells him it's like he makes it he makes him funny and everything like that. But it's like, holy shit! It's hard to take anything seriously after you hear that. And you go, oh man, I need to shut my mouth about everything, you know? Yeah, it's real stuff. Looking at you, you're Christian. Your childhood, uh, it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, get over it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I had it pretty good. When they got hit, but I felt like I deserved a lot of it. Oh yeah. Or maybe you're just internalizing and justifying the violence propagated against you. Have you thought about that, Adam? No, I was a shit kid, though. Like, <laughs> he probably could have dialed back the intensity, definitely. Intensity but, and the frequency were like, were you hit with objects? Uh, like a paddle or a belt? Belts. And belts. he... Buckle? He, he did you ever get the buckle nah, or no, the end of it? No, no I did. No, I had a white Go on. But... He actually, I always get mad when I think about this because he'd give me a choice. Uh, my dad was a weightlifter. He's like uh-huh. a real athletic dude. So he'd be like, all right, you're going to have this little skinny belt or I'll hit you with the weightlifting belt. He'd be like, no, not the giant weightlifting A weightlifting belt ha- hurts exponentially less than a, than a regular belt. A regular belt is like a whip. It cuts through the air. The weightlifting belt catches more air. It hits more surface area so that the impact is spread out more. Yeah. Like, you know the physics of yeah. physical violence? Yeah, because no. I realized over so the years, like one time he didn't give me a choice. He just hit me with the weightlifting belt and I was like this is nothing shit you've done the math like, fuck I should have chose this weightlifting belt like every time or that was just like one incident where he gave you that choice which is I usually get the choice that was his move to further terrify that's me sick that's like some emperor playing some game before he executes someone yeah. do you want the crocodiles or the lions well the aggravating part is I'm the oldest and he eased up and hit each of the kids exponentially less and so I had to watch everyone get treated better than me Oh yeah, because you got That's lazy. the trauma. That's the trauma for me. Did you ever do that thing though? That uh, where you get hit, but then you get accustomed to getting hit, so you stop crying, but the beating doesn't stop until you start crying. Oh, yeah. that's when the parents start crying. Yeah, <laughs> when they see your fucking stoic face. Yeah, and they're like your uh, dead eyes, the dead eyes of your children staring back at you while you beat them. And they're like, "Oh my god, I've just created myself. <laughs> I just copied myself. Damn it." No, after I figured out the weightlifting belt, I'd choose that and then fake cry my way through it. 
one time I tried to put like a like a cookie sheet in my pants, like a small one. <laughs> but I had like a little kid butt and everything. And I was like, I think they're gonna notice a big metal rectangle in there. You tried to do like, the Back to the Future three during a beating. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. I definitely went and I checked through all the different stuff underneath the sinks. I knew it was coming. It was just, you know, dad wasn't home yet, so I, <laughs> I had time to go through the under sink inventory. And I was like, eh, well, just like, I remember the feeling at the time. I was just kind of just calmly resigned myself. I was like, well, I guess I can't block it. I'll go to my room and get ready for getting spanked. Well, this is just, this is my job as a bad kid. <laughs> another day, another fire in public. Sean, you're the only one. You're the only one of us with a kid. Do you hit your kid? Did you nope. hit your kid? Never, never. Well, we, well, we give her a tap on the ass a little, and just bam. Not, like, not even like hard. good yeah. game. Is we, it we a positive never, reinforcement? We, we never, we <laughs> never told her we would not do it. That'd be like light spanking, but it, like it was just kind of like get knock it off. You're being weird, uh, but it was never like a, never spanking with the belt or anything, that mm. kind of stuff. But it was like, uh, yeah, yeah. I always thought it was kind of a dumb idea. It seems to be counterproductive. It doesn't seem to really work. And the thing is, like, really, it's spanking, that's a weird thing that people do during sex. So I don't think it's really a thing you should be doing to your kid, you know? And that's the thing. Do people do it during sex because it was done to them when they were a kid? Like, if you weren't spanked as a kid, is it not going to get you I, I never really asked anybody hard? I was having sex with, so I don't know. No? I don't know. I don't know. I'm not a big spanker if that's what we're on. Like, if you I'm want not a big spanker to, either. If you want me to, I'll slap your ass, but... Phil, doing, Phil, you got anything for this? I'm doing other stuff. I, I doodle. I, I doodle I on your back. I was never hit as a kid, and I was never like you know hit with a belt or any sort of object. And, so and that's why you didn't know anything about empathy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that would have just... Well, what kind of delayed. abuse caused the lack of empathy thing? Um, head games. Head games? <laughs> so emotional abandonment? Yeah, yeah. Like okay. a, lot of, a lot of just like... A, why are we? Why the fuck are we even talking about this? No, because that I is do this to every. I do this to every conversation I'm in. I did this on purpose. I I'm happy. God. I'm excited. That's every relationship. One piece of shit. One great person. <laughs> Phil, love it. is like shoving a skunk up your ass. Yeah, yeah exactly. that's where it came from. You got a stink. Sometimes the stink rubs off on the on the kids. The <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's enough trauma for one episode. <laughs> Yeah. I want to thank you guys very much for coming. Is there anything you'd like to plug or places where people can find you on the internet that you'd like to give out before we go? If you're listening to this while driving, signal early. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. And, oh, and uh, I'm probably going to be... I'm probably going to go bald in my late 40s. <laughs> it's not a show, but I just thought I would say it. <laughs> Everyone look out for that. So if you guys are, aren't too busy, you know, 15 years from now or so, I'm going to be Goombo. <laughs> and if you'd like to follow Christian online, you cannot. So hi. Yep, that's right. I'm not on Facebook or Twitter, so go fuck yourself. <laughs> I actually shout out to Heather McGowan, who I Facebook messaged to call you and, and confirm that we were doing the podcast today. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, she had to send a boy to come running up the trails up to my up to my via. I I, ta- 
I tossed him a pomelo for his troubles. <laughs> so you, you quit Facebook and Twitter. So there's no way for anybody to get a hold of you now. If you I, want to do I haven't been. You, and, yeah, and, and That's I That's a really great career choice. It's probably Because I don't have a up. career, Sean. If you need to get a hold of Christian Ricketts, uh, tweet at Heather McGowan. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Also, uh, smoke signals work. Like if you do... If you do a smoke signal that spells out Depeche Mode like you can find Christian pretty easily. <laughs> Anything that has uh, 1980s fucking uh, electronic music, he'll fucking find you if you have that shit. <laughs> if you just hold out a handful of mushrooms, he'll show up eventually. Talk about Brian Eno on the street corner over next to Boiler Room. He'll walk up to you and say something stupid. If you have a dream and there's a television with static on it, say, hey, Christian, what's up? When you wake up, I'll call you. <laughs> Oh, you guys are gonna have to bring it for your plugs. <laughs> Sean, is there any? Is it? Do you contact the outside world in any way, shape, or form when you're not well, on my I'm podcast? On twi- I'm on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, please follow me on Twitter. It's uh, at Sean Connery Six. Uh, and uh, uh, someone should book me on a show because I'm completely not booked. So there's no place. To- oh, come to Funhouse if you're a comic. Come to Funhouse Wednesdays. Come at seven o'clock. Yeah, so it's uh, one of the best mics in town. Yeah, it's, it's one of my favorites. It's great. You do a great job with it. Thank you. Okay, um, I I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can find me there. I'm on Twitter. Uh, Phil Shaw. Yeah, Phil Shaw. That's that's my Twitter handle. Um, I'm on. Uh, I'm not on Ello, so you can't find me there. I'm <laughs> I'm kind of on Tumblr, but not really. Uh, MySpace, I think my account is active. I'm not sure. So you might have to... Uh, you have I, a band? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we, uh, I'm on Live Nation. Uh, you can check me out there. I'm on... Uh, sure, what, what was the other one? Oh, uh, LinkedIn? On, you got yeah, a LinkedIn li- account? I get, actually, I don't have a LinkedIn account. I do have a Tickets West account, though. Um, if you want to check me out there. I have an Amazon wish list. Uh, if you want to get me things, uh, I have. Uh, see, the thing is, like, I started this bit thinking, like, okay, if I keep on listing off things, this will eventually get funny. And now I've hit the point where <laughs> it's hit a dead end, uh, and the payoff has been nil. Um, so I'm just going to say, uh, I'm, if you want to find me, uh, I also have a website. Uh, it's uh, AOL.com. No, that's a Nick Kroll joke. Um, so... I, yeah, it's it's You know where to find everything. Uh, I'm sorry if you're if you're listening and you don't know me uh, because it's gonna take a while. Have a good night. Andy, do you want to plug your the Andy social network? Oh, we can. Yeah, I'm on Twitch TV. I got a channel called the Andy Social Network. But what's even better than that, uh, check out Jesus Christ Superstar at Post 5 Theater. They're doing a run for the, like the next four weeks. I'm playing electric bass in it. Awesome. And it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's wonderful. I'm very lucky to be a part of that thing. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for coming on the show. Uh, you're all very funny. Thank you for sharing your old jokes and your childhood experiences with us today. <laughs> uh, thank you guys all for showing up live audience. Andy, take us home with a song.
that's good. <laughs> that's, that's all you're gonna get. That's all you're gonna get. I like that part where you go. Yeah, yeah. That was it. Yeah. All right, Eric, we're done, there. and I want you to leave in the part where I'm telling you that we're done. Thank you very much. Cut out the part yeah. where I tried to do the, the Seinfeld theme thing because I that was just not good. Oh, you wanted that? No, I mean I'm not a keyboard yet. Good night. Ha, <laughs> ha,